0: The following audio is for Emanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemanuel.net.
1: Christmas in heaven? You know, buddy, they don't. What? They should. Christmas is the best day of the year. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you like it so much. Tell me, what is Christmas? It's about the presents, and the tree, and the cookies, and sledding, and Santa Claus. (laughs) Well, those are all fun things, but... What are we actually celebrating? Jesus coming! Aha, there we go. See, Jesus didn't come for the presents or the tree, did he? No, he he came for us. He came as Emmanuel, God with us, so that one day it could be us with God forever. (laughs) Hey bud. What do you think heaven is? Streets of gold, the people we love, rivers made of milk and honey, gates of pearls. Ooh, and a pearly gate, huh? What are you looking forward to the most about heaven? Being with Jesus. (laughs) Me too. See, in heaven, they don't have to remember what it was like when Jesus first came. They already know that, and they don't have to look forward to what it will be like when they're with him forever, because they already are. (laughs) Every single day in heaven is better than the best Christmas we could have ever had here on earth. Wow.
2: Well, thank you to the drama teams that have helped us all of December as we have studied the colors of Christmas. And today, our color is pearl. And uh, it represents the pearly gates of heaven. And this morning, I want to talk with you just a little bit about heaven. Heaven's mentioned 734 times in the Bible. So, uh, God talks about heaven a lot. Heaven's a real place. He wants us to know about it. We won't have time to look at all the passages in Scripture about heaven. But I want you to get your Bibles out today and follow along, because we're not just going to be in one passage. We're going to look at four different passages. And I'm going to begin in 1 Corinthians 15 in just a little bit. While you're turning to 1 Corinthians 15... Uh, let me just say, I know we have the kids in here again one more Sunday. When I was a kid, I I didn't think about heaven that much. I was uh, going, I went to church, I went to Sunday school, I heard lessons about heaven, and we talked about heaven, but to be honest, I was still a kid and I was pretty mesmerized with Earth. There were a lot of things on Earth that I wanted to experience. There were. There were sports that I wanted to play and mountains that I wanted to climb and continents that I wanted to see. And I, I, uh, I, wanted, to, I wanted to kind of know what it was like to be a pirate. Um, and, then, and then, of course, there were girls. There were the mystery of girls, which I still haven't figured out. But I'm not a kid anymore. And as I've grown older... I find that I think about heaven more. Maybe it's because uh, in almost 40 years of ministry, I've officiated a couple hundred funerals. More likely it's because people that I've known and loved and walked life with and journeyed with are in heaven. In fact, uh, here's a good test to know whether or not you're old. Uh, If you think you know more people on the other side than on this side, you're old. And maybe that's true for me because I've had so many that I've had a chance to serve with who are now gone through the veil of death and heaven is their eternal home. And so it causes me... To wonder, what is heaven and what does it look like? And certainly we can talk about pearly gates and the streets of gold, but you and I already have to know innately that's not really the stuff of heaven. Now, there's some things about heaven that we just absolutely do not know. The Apostle Paul, one time when he was preaching in the city of Lystra, he started a riot, they all picked up rocks. They stoned him. They thought they killed him. They drug his body outside the city. They left him for dead. The Apostle Paul says of that experience that he actually was dead and he went to heaven. And then this is what he tells us. He describes heaven as being indescribable. He said, human language cannot describe what I've seen. And so we know there's just some parts of heaven that... We will never fully engage or embrace or understand or comprehend until that day comes when that becomes our eternal home. But there are some things we can know. And God tells us these things. He gives us some description of it. And I want to guide you through this Bible study this morning. 1 Corinthians 15 is one of those chapters that has a nickname. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter. There were some people at the Corinthian church who said, I don't think I really believe in life after death. I don't think that this body can live again. It goes in the grave. It starts to decompose. It starts to decay. Um, Modern movie producers have created something that looks like a zombie. And I don't think any of us want that as an eternal experience, right? So there were these doubts. So the Apostle Paul here in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is going to make the case that heaven is a place where earthly scientific laws do not apply. One of the reasons I love this chapter is that maybe you're here this morning, and you're here because you're with uh, family or friends, but you're not really into the God thing, and you're not sure there really is a heaven or an eternity because you're a science person. You're a person who goes like, you know what? I want it, it needs to be uh, seeable, provable. Uh, there's got to be a theorem. Somebody's got to prove that. And, and if you're a science person, this chapter is really written for you. And the Apostle Paul is actually going to use three scientific illustrations to prove that the earthly scientific laws don't apply in the heavenly realm i'm going to begin reading in verse 35 we don't have time to read the whole chapter verse 35 he says but someone would ask and this is that scientifically minded person well how are the dead raised literally well, what kind of body do you get if you're raised from the dead And he says, well, that's a silly thing to say, because let's think it through. What you sow doesn't come to life unless it dies. The first illustration is botany. He's going to talk about plants. And he says, what you sow is not the body to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps wheat or corn or some other grain. God gives it the body that he's chosen. And to each kind of seed, it produces the the body of a plant that looks entirely different from the seed. So here, let's do this for a second. You take a kernel of wheat or a kernel of corn. You put it in the ground. What does it have to do to produce a plant that we would later, later call wheat or corn? Well, the seed has to die. It it decays and dies, and out of it comes a plant. Now, the first part of the plant doesn't look at all like what the later part of the plant's going to look like. When wheat or corn first come out of the ground, it's it's green, it's tender, it's small. In fact, it's it's so small and so supple that a farmer's got a whole field of it, can drive over it with a tractor, and it'll bend, and then it'll pop right back up again. It doesn't break. Later on, you can't do that. But it'll grow, and it it grows a stem, a stalk, a head. And think about corn in particular. It's a stalk that big around, and two ears of corn. It it becomes an entirely different-looking plant than just the kernel. The second illustration is biology. He says in verse 39, not all flesh is the same. There's one kind of flesh for humans. There's another kind for animals. There's another kind for birds, and there's another kind for fish. So he's making the case that there can be a heavenly body and the heavenly body can be different with, especially with a different set of scientific principles than the ones here on earth and he proves that because not all the bodies here on earth have the same kind of skin or exterior. You got, you got human skin, animal fur, bird feathers, and fish scales. They're all, they're all completely different. And I know some of you have gone to see Aquaman. I just want you to know i don 't want to be the one to burst a bubble. Not a true story <laughs> all right so so what he 's saying is, so there can be in fact, here he says, verse forty, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly body is one kind, the glory of the earthly body is another. now he 's going to do astronomy verse 41 there 's the glory of the sun there 's a different glory for the moon there 's another glory for the stars and actually all the stars from star to star all different in glory they 're all different in glory you' got novas you've got supernovas you've got all these different things in the galaxy and he points out that they 're all different a planet's different than a star a moon is different than a planet a comet's different than a moon well they 're all different and so the spiritual existence can be different. So the first thing that we come to understand is that heaven is heavenly. Heaven is different than that which is earthly and the earthly laws of physics don't apply to the heavenly experience. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Let me show you a second passage which which teaches us the second thing that I want you to hear this morning about heaven here in john chapter 14 a very well-known passage sometimes uh, you hear me quote the sixth verse pretty frequently but this morning we're going to read it all in this context and what it teaches us about heaven is that heaven is a prepared place for prepared people when we come to john 14 jesus is preparing the disciples for his departure he's telling them that he's going to go back to heaven to be with the heavenly Father. There's some sadness that comes with his departure. So he says, beginning in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus literally says, three and a half years, if there wasn't a heaven... If we weren't going to heaven, if I wasn't teaching about heaven and the kingdom of heaven, I would have told you. But that's where we're all headed to, and I'm actually going there to prepare a place for you. I heard one man say on one occasion that God created or prepared the entire world in six days, but he's been preparing heaven for 2,000 years. So if earth is this great after six days, think how great heaven's going to be. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again, he says in verse 3. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again, take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The essence of heaven. Where I am, there you may be also. And then Jesus says this. And you know the way to where I'm going. Now, uh, Thomas isn't quoted very much in the New Testament. He's uh, remembered for saying, I won't believe that Jesus rose again from the grave until I touch the nail scars in his hand. So for that, that, he gets the moniker Doubting Thomas. He's kind of doubting here as well. He says in verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd known me, Thomas, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. Philip chimes in, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Philip's like, oh, man, if we could, if we could see God, that, oh, that would be everything. Just show us, Just show us the Father. To which Jesus, I believe, sadly replies, have I been with you so long, Philip? And still you don't know me. The passage is really interesting. Uh, one part of the passage teaches the Trinity. Um, you say, well, is Jesus the Son, or is he the Father? The answer is yes. I and the Father are one, he says. In fact, Jesus is not only the Father and the Son, he's also the Holy Spirit too. The three parts, tri, try, you in complete unity, the Trinity Triunity. So we find that teaching here very clearly. We also find the teaching that Jesus claims to be God. Every now and then I meet somebody They go, Jesus was a wonderful example. Uh, he taught some great lessons. Maybe he did some miracles, but he never claimed to be God. Oh yeah, he did. In fact, he did it so frequently. That's the reason that the Sanhedrin crucified him. They crucified him for what they believed was the blasphemy that he claimed to be God. That's what brought about in an earthly sense. That's what brought about his death. So we find that teaching. But the biggest part of the teaching here is that Jesus is both the destination and the transportation to what heaven really is. Where I am, there you may be also. That's what makes heaven heaven. Gold streets, pearly gates, the reason it's heaven is because that's where Jesus is, and that's where we get to be. How do we get there? Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is both the destination and the transportation. Now, that means a couple things that we should just say out loud. If Jesus is the way to heaven, then there are some things that people teach that are ways to heaven that are not ways to heaven church attendance is not how you get to heaven baptism beautiful picture of committing your life to christ but baptism isn't the way to heaven church membership not the way to heaven how much you put in the offering plate not the way to heaven how intelligent you are doesn't determine whether or not you get to heaven how hardworking you are doesn't determine whether you get to heaven how good you are how bad you are how popular you are how many likes on facebook don't don't determine whether or not you get to heaven the only answer for you is jesus sometimes you hear me say this when you're talking about the bible all of it it's only always ever been about jesus In fact, if you're reading a passage of the Bible and you you don't quite know what it means, figure out how to get from that passage to Jesus and that's your best understanding of what that passage is all about. It's always only ever been about Jesus. Jesus says to Thomas, you know where I'm going, you know the way. He says to Philip, you know the Father, I've been with you the whole time. So what is heaven? I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a prepared place. For people who have given their life to Jesus are prepared people. Let me say one last thing about this passage. Every now and then, someone will say to me, so you think you know for certain that you're going to heaven? And I go, yeah, I know for certain. And they look at me like I'm arrogant. They look at me like, well, that's not a humble thing to say. The humble thing to say is, well, I hope so. I'm I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to be good. The problem with that is it's, it's kind of a false humility and it's not biblical. Uh, when the Apostle John writes very late in his life, almost 100 A.D., 70 years after the death of Jesus, he writes 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And not just speaking of that letter, 1 John, but really speaking of the wealth of all of Scripture. He said, these things have been written unto you that you may hope that you have eternal life. It's, th- it's not the way the verse goes. He says, these things have been written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. God intends for you to be confident. Now, are you confident in your own goodness to get you to heaven? That would be silly, foolish, sinful, and arrogant. But my confidence isn't in me. My confidence is in Jesus. Jesus can't lie. He's faithful when I'm faithless. He's, he's, he has fulfilled every promise and so my confidence is in the one who promised that you can know. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Turn with me to Revelation 21. In fact, we're going to kind of bounce back and forth between Revelation 21 and 22, looking at the last couple of points about heaven. It's the very end of your Bible, uh, 21 and 22, last two chapters right before the book of concordance. Um, Here's what I want you to see uh, thirdly about heaven. Heaven is a place where the old is no more. Uh, Look with me in chapter 21, find verse 4. The scripture says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Some of you have heard this verse. You've heard about it. This is where it's at. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or sorrow or crying nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Flip over to chapter twenty-two, find verse three. No longer will there be anything a curse. That so, what's what brought about the curse? Sin. No, no longer any sin. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. Verse four, and they will see his face. So what do we know about heaven? Heaven is a place with no more tears, no more sorrow, no more mourning, no more sin, no more death. That's what heaven is. No more heart failure, no more cancer, no more AIDS, no more war, no more crime, no more poverty. All of this is gone. The old has passed away. Now, if we were to talk about all the problems of the world and all the terrible things in the world, we could probably name hundreds, if not thousands of things. But one of the things we discover from these two chapters is all the problems of the world are basically in three categories. There's the category of sin. Think about all the things that just go into that category. We could enumerate all the different kinds of Disobedience and sin. There's the problem of death and all that we spend in this country on the health and the medical industry, so that we don't die. And we're all, there's death. And then there's the problem of sorrow and fear that come from the fact that there's death. Sorrow because our loved ones have passed, and fear because we're going to die. And people are afraid to die, although. Fear is, uh, when Americans are surveyed, fear is always the number two answer. The fear of death is always the number two answer. Did you know that? Do you know what the number one fear of Americans is? Public speaking. So do you know what that means? If death is number two and public speaking is number one, that means at a funeral, you'd rather be the corpse than the one giving the eulogy. (laughs) Think that through just a moment. But follow this with me fear of death and sorrow of death are a consequence of death itself and death the wages of sin is death is a consequence of sin so actually there's not even three categories of problems for humanity there's only one problem for humanity and that's sin and so jesus came to die on the cross to pay for your sin so that if your sin is forgiven, this is what Jesus would say to Martha in John chapter 11. If you believe in me, you will never die. Martha, do you believe this? He's saying to you by the Holy Spirit to you today, do you believe this? If your sin is forgiven, you will never die. And if you're not gonna die, there's no sorrow and there's no fear because it's not coming for you. The old things are passed away. None of those things exist in heaven. But where the old is gone, we would think there would naturally be a new that is coming. And so the last thing I want you to see this morning is that heaven is a place where all things are made new. Look in chapter 21 again, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven. I saw a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And with the new earth, there was no more ocean. It's going to be completely different scientific laws are all going to change this earth is covered three quarters of the face of this earth is covered with water it couldn't sustain itself without it different scientific principles new heaven and a new earth now we we can figure out why there's a new earth right because of sin jesus destroyed this planet because of sin once before he destroyed it with water He saved Noah and his family, and then he set the rainbow in the sky, and he said to Noah, I will never destroy the earth again with water. He didn't say he wouldn't destroy it. He said he wouldn't destroy it with water. Peter says in the end times he'll destroy it with fire. And then he's going to create a new earth. And then there's also a new heaven. Why would there need to be a new heaven? Because heaven was also tainted by sin. Now, uh, heaven as we talk about it right now, uh, the Apostle Paul says, to be absent from the body for the believer is to be present with the Lord. So that's heaven because you're with the Lord. But heaven as a place was tainted with sin when Lucifer led a revolt in heaven against God. He lost the war. He was thrown out of heaven. And so heaven's been tainted too. So there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth. Keep reading next verse. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem. It's not the old Jerusalem. It's no longer in Israel. It's coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Ezekiel and uh, John record that the new Jerusalem is suspended in space between the new earth and the new heaven. And we're actually given its dimensions. It's 1,500 miles long by 1,500 miles wide by 1,500 miles tall. It is some kind of apartment building. New Jerusalem. Jesus says, I'm going to make all things new. Here's, here's where he says at verse 5. The one seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. New. Skip over to verse or chapter 22 again. Verse 1, The angel showed me a river, a water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It was going down the middle of the street and down the middle of the city, and on either side of the river there was a tree of life. We haven't heard about the tree of life since the Garden of Eden. It has 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit in each month. You say, what kind of tree can have a harvest every month and every month is a different kind of fruit. Different scientific laws in heaven. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. We've already read verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and the servants will worship Him and they will see His face. Uh, There was a guy in the Bible who said to God on one occasion, i I like to see your face. His name was Moses. Um, he, had talked to, he had talked to God out of the burning bush. He had talked to God out of, the, out of the cloud of glory, the Shekinah fire. The Scripture says Moses talked to God the way a friend talks to a friend. And so Moses said, I, I want to see your face. And God said to him, your earthly makeup can't withstand my glory. If you, with earthly scientific laws, if you saw my face, my glory, you would die. You can't see it. But God loved Moses. And so he said, here's what I'll do for you. He said, they were up in the mountains. He said, I'm going to stand you in the face of the rock, in the cleft of the rock, like, uh, like being in timeout, right? He said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock what I'll do is I'll put my hand over you to shield you, protect you so you won't die. I'll go by you, and after I go by, I'll take my hand away, and you can see the residue of my glory. You, you can see the leftovers of my glory. I don't know about you, but I'm a little tired of leftovers. I've been working on this one bowl of mashed potatoes since Christmas. And it's like manna, it's new every morning. It just, there's more appearing in there. And I got on the scales this morning. I figured out uh, I've been eating about a pound of mashed potatoes a day, I think. (laughs) I've been really blessed by God, Uh, truly, favored by God. I, I, I've seen his glory here on earth. I, I've been in services where the Holy Spirit came down. I've been in places where literally dozens of people were saved. Um, I've seen God do wonderful things. But those earthly glories are just residues of glory. They're just leftovers. And there is in my soul, and I believe in yours as well, a hungering and a thirsting, a yearning like Moses had to see the God who loves me face to face. And so with the new body, not the one that decays and decomposes and is corruptible like this earthly body, but with the new heavenly body and the glorified body, part of what God will do for us is he will make us able, capable of seeing Him face to face. And out of all the things that make heaven, that's what heaven is all about. When He becomes our God, and we become His people, and we take our crowns off, and we cast Him at His feet, and we worship Him, and we can know Him face to face. I want to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. Maybe this morning you're here, and and if you were honest, you'd have to say, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I'd like to, I want to, I'd like to believe that, but I'm not sure that I'm headed there. Well, as we talked about this morning, your getting to heaven doesn't have anything to do with how often you go to church or if you've ever read your Bible all the way through or how much money you put in an offering plate but it does depend on what you do with Jesus. That's why Jesus came to earth. That's why he died. He died to pay for your sins so that you could be prepared, so that you could be made ready for heaven. And this morning, if you'd like to do it, you could pray a prayer right there in your own heart that would go something like this. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that's why you came to die. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. And the best that I know how from now until I get to heaven, I'll live for you. And the Bible says that if you pray that prayer, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus himself says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says, those that come to me, I will not cast you out. You can be confident. Confident. You can be certain that heaven is your eternal home. Many of you in this room have already prayed that prayer and some of you have done it years and years ago. But along the way, you forgot that your citizenship is in heaven and you started living like you belong here on earth and you don't belong here. This isn't your place. Our place is heaven. That's what your soul yearns for. It's what you long for. And so why shouldn't we live that way as well. So this morning would be a great time for you to recommit your life as a citizen of heaven. Father, you know every one of us here this morning. You know our journey. You know our path. You know the very events that brought us to this room. And this morning, we come to you to give our lives to you. I pray that some this morning have given their life to you with understanding for the very first time. And I know that your Holy Spirit rushes into their life and that you will never leave them and never forsake them. For many of us, it's a recommitment and we're reminded that you indeed have gone to prepare a place for us that where you are, there we may be also. And on that day, we will will know even as we are known. We will see even as we are seen and we will see you face to face. So Father, we look forward to that day, that time, when we spend eternity with you. So Father, until that day, let us be found faithful. This day, the rest of this day, tomorrow, we pray that we would be found faithful knowing that heaven is waiting just around the corner. So take us and use us for your glory, for your majesty, for your honor. For we pray all these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen remind you that uh, in October we started talking about uh, Vision 3000. Uh, One part of that is each one reach one. And we're going to continue to talk about that all during 2019 as you pray for and reach your one and and I pray for and reach my one. Uh, But the second part of that was that we would also start a new church. And so we are. We're going to start a church in the Heights. And the pastor of that church is walking before me right now, Pastor Jim Tabor. And uh, w- this morning, I want you to see, not just uh, you've heard about uh, Jim and Brandy and their family going to lead this new church, but there have been a-, a number of our own that we love, who have counted Emmanuel their home, who have felt led by the Holy Spirit of God to go and say, "Grace Point's going to be my church." Um, this is my obedience to the Lord. This is, this is a, a New Testament tradition. The New Testament tradition like in Antioch where the Holy Spirit said, give me Barnabas and Paul for the work that I've called them. And so the Holy Spirit has called this group of people before you to a work already named called Grace Point. And in some ways, it's a we're bookends. Uh, Emmanuel's on the west end of town. Grace Point's going to be on the east end of town. But together, as sister churches in Christ, we're going to try to reach everybody in between. And uh, these folks have felt led by the Holy Spirit to do that. We've had as many as we could in all three services. I wanted you to see them. I, I, I wanted you to be a part of their blessing and their sending. There's another New Testament tradition and that is that when God calls missionaries from among us, when he when He calls those to leave us to go do ministry, we lay hands on them. Uh, when I was a boy in church life, there were hands laid on me many, many times. Um, most of those resulted in spankings. This is a different experience. This is we lay hands on them to bless them. We We let them know we love them. We don't cease loving them. They don't cease being our brothers and sisters in Christ, because we won't see them on Sundays at Emmanuel, they continue to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We continue to work together and we bless their willingness to go. And so uh, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask as many of you as will to come and put your hands on them. But if you come and they're facing you, that's awkward like when someone comes in an elevator and they don't turn around. So I'm gonna ask these guys to all turn around and face the stage. I'm gonna ask you if you'll come up behind them And put your hand on a shoulder. Now, uh, I want every one of these guys going to Grace Point to be touched by someone who's staying at Emmanuel. And so if if you're in between two people, put one hand on one shoulder and one on the other shoulder. Come on, come on right now. Got to get behind all these people. And after we get one layer of people, if you're two layers deep, then put your hand on a shoulder of a person whose hand is on a shoulder, okay? So let's get all around them. And I've asked our pastor... Steve so if he would pray our dedicatory prayer, if he would lift our dear brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to Grace Point to the Lord and ask for his powerful, miraculous, eternal blessing on their lives. Pastor Steve, will you pray for us? And this will be our benediction this morning.
0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come and we, we continue our worship and we worship you as our God and our creator. And not only our creator, but our, our savior and our sustainer, Father. And as Pastor Paul's acknowledged, we recognized that you have called these out from among us, Father, mm-hmm. to plant a church in the heights. And so, Father, we know that this church has been ordained by you. We know that these people have been yeah. ordained by you to go and do your work, to proclaim the good news of salvation to the people in the heights, Father. And so, Father, we are so grateful that they have taken this step of faith to go and be a church where there isn't a church yeah. and to proclaim uh, light to the darkness, Father, to bring redemption to a, uh, a people who desperately need to be redeemed father yeah. they've been damaged and destroyed and are on the way to death because of their sin and they need you they need you they need a savior father yeah. and so father we send these people out as your ambassadors father as a light in the darkness to the heights, Father. And so we know that Satan is going to fight against this, and we pray that you would protect them, Father. But not more than protect them, Father, but you would make them bold. We know, again, from the New Testament that Satan resisted wherever the Apostle Paul went. And he never prayed to remove the difficulties. He always prayed. The early church always prayed for boldness, Father. And so I pray that for Grace Point. Yeah. I pray whatever difficulties they have, Father, I pray that they would be bold in their witness, Father, wherever they go, whether at work, at home, in their neighborhoods, whatever, wherever it's at, Father, I pray that they would boldly proclaim the gospel with words, with their actions, with their thoughts, Father. Yeah. And Father, again, we know that this is ordained by you, and so we trust you to provide everything that they need. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, Father. I just pray that you bless them. And we look forward to the days to come to hear the stories of how lives were changed, how people were redeemed, and the kingdom grew because of this step of faith.
2: And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Happy New Year.
0: For listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemanuel.net.